hello and welcome back to another episode of the rambling man no wait no lend me your ears yeah that's it <laughs> uh last week was a doozy i just there was no way i could uh, stop talking or even shorten it or split it up there was just too much good info in that uh in that episode so hopefully you guys got a lot of good uh, information out of it and uh, we're going to keep on going uh, so far in this podcast, I've talked about uh, growing the company, starting it, uh, hiring, training, uh, you know, getting to a point that you either can grow or grow more. But I think this episode is going to, we're going to go over the the most important part of not just growing a business, but owning a business, having a business. And that is the art of delegation. It's to me, I think the hardest thing for an owner to learn to do, but it's the most important. Uh, too often I talk to business owners and, and really myself, I'm preaching to the choir here with this. We tend to just want to do everything. It's a, it's a trap, really. Business owners feel like we need to just have a hand in every pot and to be, you know, doing everything in that, that age old mindset of, you know, if you want it done right, you got to do it yourself. I think that's bullshit. <laughs> I just, I can't stand that mindset. If you want it done right, make sure it's done right. It's as simple as that. But too many of us just err on the side of caution and say, well, if I want it done right, I've got to do it myself. You know, nobody else can do this. It's my baby. It's my company. It's my money. It's my van. It's whatever. And I fell into that trap for a while. And what ends up happening to business owners is we feel like we're, we're accomplishing something. We feel like we're on the right track by doing everything and owning everything and, and just having to be a part of everything. All that really does is just burn you out. You just end up in this state of always tired, always cranky, always stressed, always just blah. Like I, I just remember being in that place of just always tired and just saying things. Well, yeah, I, I got to do it. You know, if I if I don't do it, it's not going to get done. And I'm here to tell you that it, it is bullshit. It is the key to having a business, no matter how big or how small it is. I'm talking anybody here from. 30 trucks down to the one truck with the one technician delegate what really what it comes down to is uh what mark stoner said in his book blue collar gold he said give it give yourself an hourly rate right too often we just think that our money is just what's in the bank at the end of the week but he goes assign yourself an hourly rate and he said a hundred dollars right to say your your time as an owner is worth a hundred dollars an hour now look at everything you're doing any task you do, ask yourself, is this task worth $100 an hour? If it's not, give it to somebody else. That really clicked home for me because I was doing way too much at the time. And I started looking around and I'm like, why am I doing this? There's people here that can do it. What? And they're sitting around and they're staring at me. They're asking for things to do. And I'm like, no, 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 no. I got it. I got it. I can handle this. Watch me do it, right? <laughs> Just sit here and get paid to watch me do all the work. So I started using that mindset of, is this worth $100 an hour? So what happens when you learn to start delegating is you get more free time. You get more energy. You can actually focus on the important stuff in your company. We'll get to what that is later, but just hear me out on this. If you're a single truck operator or one or two truck, you're still in that early growth stage. Listen to this one because this one is a big one. Learn how to let go. Learn how to let others help you do the work because it is key. So let's talk to the smaller operations here. 
one truck, two truck, three truck, single operator, whatever it is, you're hiring your first technician or your third or fourth, you can start here. You know, too often I talk to people like, well, I can't really delegate because I don't really have that many people. If you have one employee, you have enough people to delegate. So start with regular tasks, smaller tasks. This, when you delegate, it's a trap to get into like odd jobs. You know, oh, yeah, I go take out the trash, I guess. You know, I'm busy. Go, you know, do something, make yourself useful. That's not delegation. That's, I don't know what that is. It's not delegating anything. Regular tasks like clean out the vacuum every morning, you know, let them know this is your task every morning. Make sure the vacuum is ready to go so we can go out and start the day. Uh, make sure you check the van, make sure we have all the parts and all the components and all the materials that we need. Get the parts loaded onto the van. Uh, there's so many things that need to happen every single day that the owner doesn't have to do. We even have van checklists. This started early on in Caesar Chimney, where we sat down and wrote a list of everything we wanted on the van. These drills, these parts, these screws, these tubes of caulking, whatever it is that you want to have every single day on your vehicle, sit down and write up a checklist and then hand it to your employee and say, here, this is now your job. Every morning, go over this checklist. Make sure we have everything on this list. If we don't have it, here's where you can get it. But it's your responsibility to make sure this van is ready to go every single morning. Like I said, the vacuum, that's a big one. Even if it wasn't used the, or much the day before, still clean it out. Check the filters, clean out the bags, uh, clean the hoses. Whatever needs to get done, assign it to somebody and walk away. Let it go. So we'll get back to exactly how to do that later. But how I learned to delegate was not as, as cut and dry as that. I went about two, three years with my company and I was doing, well, I wasn't doing everything. Let me take that back. The first thing I delegated was my office. Uh, when I started Caesar Chimney, uh, I was lucky to know Jill, who's now my office manager. I knew her from a previous company where she had worked uh, with me. And she was fantastic in the office. Like when she was there, everything changed. We were actually able to get stuff done because she just handled it so well. Problem was that daycare was really expensive, still is. And she wasn't making enough to be able to take time or to put her son in daycare and then come to work. She ended up making just enough to pay for the daycare and it wasn't really working. And she had to leave. When I started my company, uh, it was very small. It was run out of my house. I didn't have an office. And uh, I started looking into how to go uh, not just paperless, but completely cloud-based. Uh, you know, we had Google Calendar. We had uh, Google email. I had a cloud-based phone system. So really anybody can answer my phones from anywhere. So I gave her a call. I said, hey, uh, remember me? <laughs> you worked with me at that other chimney company. You want to come do the same thing for me, but be able to do it from home. And she jumped at the chance. She was my first hire. Uh, side note on that. I was teaching a school recently and I asked the, the class, there's about 30 something people in the classes. And how many people here are still answering your own phones? I was expecting maybe you know, a quarter of the class, maybe a third of the class to raise their hand. Three quarters of the class raised their hand. I, I was just blown away. I've heard this over and over again in symposiums and classes and seminars, but the office, if you're in any business, not just chimney businesses, the office is the first position you should hire, in my opinion. That is something that too many people are, are trying to do on their own or think they have to do on their own or can't afford to pay somebody else to do it. That was my first hire. I didn't have a technician. I didn't have any other employees, and I hired Jill, and I said, I need you to answer the phone for me. 
when I worked for that other company, I started with him back when he ran his business out of his house. And we used to work all day. We'd be up on roofs and sweating and killing ourselves doing this job. And I would be dead by the end of the day. We would just get back four or five o'clock in the afternoon. I'd clean the van out and I got to go home. One day I was talking to him and he said, you know, I don't even know my daughter. I'm like, what? I was like, well, we're getting kind of deep here. And he was just sitting there staring off into space. He goes, I don't even know her. He goes, when you, when we finish working, you go home at four or five o'clock in the afternoon. He goes, my day keeps going. Like I have to go inside, check the email, check the voicemails, return calls, talk to customers. And I'm like, oh my God, I had no idea that he did that after I went home. I was already probably passed out at that point, And he's still working until seven, eight o'clock at night. I'm like, that's insanity. So it was actually my idea. I was like, we got to hire somebody to do that for you. And we did. And that person was Jill. But that stuck with me that he would, he would kill himself and his relationships just to get enough work done to make tomorrow possible. That doesn't make any sense to me. And it really didn't make sense to me until um, I had an issue with my driveway. We had to repave the whole thing. It was a long story, but I ended up needing somebody like yesterday to do my driveway. So I opened up Google like everybody else does. And I typed in driveway pavers and I called the first name that popped up. Phone rings, rings, rings. I get a voicemail. I was like, fine. I leave a voicemail. I hang up, but I didn't leave it at that. I went to the next name on the list and I called that one. Phone rings and rings and rings, voicemail. I was like, you got to be kidding me. I leave another voicemail. Call the third number. Phone rings, rings, somebody answered. I said, I need my driveway done yesterday. Can you come help me? They're like, oh, you know, we can come out in a couple of days or so. I was like, fine, let's, you know, get out here. I ended up calling, I think, a couple more people. Finally, somebody came out. I got a couple bids on it. They they came back out. They did the driveway for me. It was done. And my phone rings. Hi, this is so-and-so from such-and-such such paving. Hey, you want us to give you an estimate on your driveway? I was like, you've got to be kidding me. It's been done. It's already done. And the guy's like, oh, oh, I'm, I'm really sorry to hear that. I'm like, so am I. But that's what, ha- what happens in a lot of trade businesses is the, a customer calls wanting to spend money, wanting to, to buy your time and have you do something, and they get a voicemail. Customers are not going to just leave a voicemail for you and wait for you to call them back. It, they're not. I can't even tell you how much work we used to lose because that's how my previous owner operated. He would just come back at the end of the day and check his voicemail. So I started going in and I'd look and I'm like, okay, you got 10 voicemails waiting here. But I went back to the phone and I was like, how many missed calls do you have? He'd have 50. He'd have 50 missed calls throughout the day, but 10 voicemails. So I started doing the math. I'm like, if you had 20% of the people leave a message, you've lost out on 80% of the work. Then out of those people that left voicemails, how many of them are actually going to book a job? I don't know. Hopefully half. So you got what? Five, five viable leads out of 50 calls. That's insanity. But more and more when I talk to people, they're answering their own phones. They're waiting for it to go to voicemail. I'm like, this, that just can't happen. So that's my first point for this is delegation starts at the very, very beginning of your company, the very beginning of your job. If you're still either answering the phone yourself, I know companies here in my area, and I can tell when I look at their their uh, their ads, it's the owner's cell phone. I'm like, that's just, in this job, there's no way you can do this job and then answer phone calls while you're at the job. So that's, an, don't do that either. So the first thing you got to delegate is your office. 
Hire somebody to answer that phone. Get the customer as soon as they call. When you first start out with somebody in the office, thankfully, Jill already had uh, chimney experience. But when you hire somebody that's new, all they have to do is set the appointment. Don't You don't have to worry about them knowing too much about the job because that's up to the inspection. That's up to the chimney tech himself. Just set the appointment. Just get them in the calendar, right? But enough of that uh, tangent there. The first thing I delegated my company was the office, and it worked. I actually had calls coming in, and we were setting appointments from it. And then when I got to the point that I couldn't do the work myself, then I had to hire my first technician. But even though I was ahead of the curve by hiring her first, I still got behind the eight ball on the operations side because I fell into that same trap of I have to get everything on the field side done myself. So I didn't learn how to delegate until at least, I think, two, three years in. Uh, My wife, Holly, got pregnant with our daughter, Grace. And at that time, she was helping me run the business. So I thought, you know, kind of she was on the side, you know, kind of just doing here and there a couple things. So she gets pregnant and I said, we need to take a lot of your workload away. I don't want you doing all this extra uh, headache and work and stress while you're pregnant. So just sit down and write me down a quick list of what it is that you do here. (laughs) Kind of like office space. Tell me what you do here. I said, just write me down a list of the things that you do and I'll either take them over or I'll find somebody else that can do it. Uh, and we'll take a lot of the work off your plate. And I went to work. I came back that night. She had three pages, single-spaced, written down for me of what it was she did for Caesar Chimney. I'll be the first one to admit, I didn't realize that she did that much. I just didn't. I thought that I had the majority of the work going out and doing all the, the actual labor. And here I am with three pages of what she did. And I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. I can't do all this. So first of all, sorry to Holly. I didn't realize how much of a a part of the company she was at the time. The next step was I'm sitting there staring at this list going, who the heck do I give this to? I I mean, I have to do most of it. Some of these things are like back-end accounting and bookkeeping and banking and taxes. And But there was other things she did in the company. And I'm just like, okay. So I start sitting down and I start uh, cataloging. Okay, this goes here. This goes there. This goes to this person. I ended up with about three quarters of the list because there was so much in the company that I couldn't give to an employee. So I had to take it on. And then I started delegating it out. It was then that I realized if I was going to take over the majority of what she was doing, I didn't have time to do what I was doing. So then I had to sit down and write down, what do I do in this company? And then delegate that as well. So I started delegating, but I didn't do it for the right reasons. I did it because I had to. It became more of a of a a need, not a want. What I ended up doing was giving away tasks to people that had no idea how to do them. Because like I talked about a few episodes ago, I wasn't very good at training anybody. They were just there learning by osmosis for the most part in the early beginnings. They were just, they would watch me do it. So I felt, okay, well, he's seen me do this before. So yeah, let's just give it to him and and see what he can do with it. Terrible idea. (laughs) There was no, there was no, uh, clarity to any of my instructions he was like hey all right you start uh sorting all the parts for the jobs they're like where do i get them or what part goes where and they'd start missing things they start forgetting things now i've created more stress for myself because the job i used to do now isn't getting done right so now it just went into total chaos and it was just it was a nightmare so i had to reel it back in so when you're delegating to people here's exactly how you should do it Start off like I did. Write down the tasks that you do or your wife or whoever else is is working in the company with you. 
sit down and write down the tasks that you do. Start out by doing the Mark Stoner trick. Is this worth $100 an hour? Is this worth my time as an owner? Yes or no? Separate those out into two lists. Now you have a list of things that you should do. Now you have a list of things that you shouldn't. Then out of those lists, decide who's going to be responsible for that. Don't just throw it at you know any random person and say, okay, yep, it's yours now like I did. That doesn't work. Look at their aptitudes. Look at their strengths. Look at their weaknesses. What are they good at? What are they not good at? Separate it out by the employee's aptitude. Now you've decided who you're going to give it to. The next step is so key because I didn't do this. Give clear instructions. Some people would call these SOPs, standard operating procedures. <laughs> I didn't have SOPs for a long time. Everything was word of mouth. It was, hey, do this and here, do it this way. And then I'd walk away expecting them to remember every word that I said. Give clear instructions to them. Write them down. I ended up having to do this uh, the opposite. I had to do it to my wife. I said, hey, I need you to give me clear instructions on how to do this. I've never, I forget what the task was, but it was just something I said, I have no idea how to do this. Can you write down exactly step-by-step how to get it done? And she did it for me. Then when I turn around and give tasks to my employees, I didn't do that. (laughs) I did the exact opposite. I'm like, here, here's this. Here's a quick rundown. Go. So start SOPs. Start at the very beginning for everything you do in the company. As the company gets bigger, even if you have a lot of people and you got a lot of delegation, if that one person gets sick, has a family emergency, goes on vacation, whatever, if they're not there to get it done, somebody else needs to know how to do it. So SOPs are key. Write them down. Step by step, as nauseating as it is, and it is, it's so worth it. The next thing is let your employees know that they're not doing it alone. that you are there to assist them with it. It's not all in their plate. You've just given them this brand new task or tasks, and now they have to do it, and they're not allowed to ask for help. That's terrible leadership. Give them the task. Explain to them how to do it. Hopefully, they have written instructions, SOPs that they can follow, but then they're going to have questions. Stuff's going to happen where you're used to making it up on the fly or figuring it out, or you know a tip or a trick. Let them know that they can come to you with questions and they're not going to get, you know, screamed at for it uh, if they have questions. And then expect for mistakes. They're going to make mistakes. It's going to happen. This is the hardest part of letting go. This is the fear side of this letting go that a lot of leaders just can't wrap their head around, myself included, is I have to do it because if I don't do it, it's not going to get done right. That's crap. They have to learn how to do it. You did. Every Everybody out there that says some bullshit statement like, if you want it done right, you got to do it yourself, have forgotten that there was a time you didn't know how to do that task either. All right? Let's be completely honest with ourselves here. There was a time you didn't know how to sweep a chimney, clean a vacuum, clean a van, put this part together, any of it. You had to learn as well. And you made mistakes. I know I made a ton of mistakes when I did it, when I first started. So don't come down on your employees for making those same mistakes. This goes for whether they're doing the actual job or the tasks you're delegating, whatever it is, allow them to be human. Allow them that wiggle room to figure it out on their own, to screw it up once or twice, because that's how you learn. They're not going to learn from you telling them they did it wrong and getting mad at them and taking it away and doing it. Once again, speaking from experience, that was typical John Caesar. Give me the tool. I'll do it. You suck. (laughs) Don't do that. 
Let them make mistakes. Let them figure it out. Let them find their own way. Let them come to you for help and get better at it. Just like we had to. We had to figure it out and make it work. Most of us entrepreneurs didn't have somebody to look to or go to for help. We had to figure it out on our own. And we did. Let them do the same. Now, there's a difference between making mistakes and being negligent, right? There's a giant difference there. If they're just not doing it or not trying, that's a discipline problem. That's a different uh, story. That means they're not, they need a lot more coaching than that. So that's different. Now, after you've done that, you've given the task to somebody, you've given instructions, you've offered assistance, they've screwed up a little bit, you've helped them, you've tweaked it, they're getting better. You need to inspect for what you expect. Don't just give them the instructions, give them the task, and then never check in on them because that will breed complacency. Go back and check in. Looks good, but you missed here. Just make sure you get that next time. Or, you know, you didn't really do this right, or this wasn't how I wanted it. Whatever the the case may be, hold them accountable. Make sure they're doing it the way you want it done. Always provide feedback, whether it's good or bad. Uh, I feel like a lot of business owners, a lot of leaders only give negative feedback and they call it constructive criticism. Great. Constructive criticism works if you're also giving the other side. Don't forget to compliment them as well. Great job. Thank you so much. That was really well done. You did better than I thought. Something like that. Don't just only come down on them when it's bad and then walk by when it's good and give them a grunt. That's not going to help anybody. Make sure you say thank you. When talking about tasks like this, there is a clear difference between a duty and a responsibility, right? A duty is something you have to do. It's your job. It's your task. A responsibility is you have to make sure the task gets done, whether it's you or somebody else. There is a clear difference there. And I've had to go back and forth with several employees on this. Well, it, you know, that, that wasn't my responsibility. It wasn't my duty or I don't, you know, whatever the difference is, make sure they understand the difference between a duty and a responsibility. As an owner, everything is your responsibility. It doesn't have to necessarily be your job. Okay. We have to understand that as leaders, there are things that you have to make sure get done but you don't necessarily have to do it. Make sure that your employees buy in. They have ownership. They have a sense of accomplishment in the day and not just following you around and getting your duties and responsibilities done. (laughs) All right, I think I beat that horse to death. So the next thing that you need on top of really clear SOPs is an organizational chart for your company. I put a post out on Facebook a a little while ago and I was trying to get other people's uh, ideas of their organizational charts, but there was a lot of comments that came in like, oh, I can't wait to have one, or I can't wait to build one, or when my company gets that size, I'll have one. An organizational chart should really start at the beginning of your company. Even if you only have one employee or two employees, make the chart, because it's not just the hierarchy that you're looking at. That's the place that you put the duties and the responsibilities of each employee. What are they responsible for? Put it in writing. Write up job descriptions as well. When you hire somebody, hand it to them. Hey, as a chimney technician, here's what you are responsible for. Here's what I expect from you. Have it in writing somewhere that they can see it, they can look at it, and you can hold them accountable for it. Don't do like I did once again and just use word of mouth. Well, I told you to do it. Why didn't you do it? Or I said that that was your job or whatever. Write it down. Have it in writing for them so there's no confusion. These These are the responsibilities that I expect from you. But if you don't have an organizational chart for your company, picture one right now. Close your eyes. 
Do it. All right. Close your eyes and picture what your organizational chart would look like. If your idea of an organizational chart is you at the top and your title is do everything. And then down below is one or two or 10 employees that are all just equal. And it says, do what I say. (laughs) That's not an organizational chart. That is, that's part of the problem as owners. We just think we need to do everything. Everybody else is just down there somewhere. What an organizational chart does is now you start to get a chain of command. Now you start to give responsibilities to people and then they can have the people underneath them help them get it done. It's their responsibility. What you'll start to see if you do it right is teamwork develop. Because if you just hammer on somebody, hey, you have to get this done, you have to get this done, you just become a drill sergeant. That person just does it out of fear. But if you create that sense of ownership and responsibility in them and say, hey, I need you to make sure you get this done. But if you can't do it, make sure Bobby helps, right? Then you get that teamwork built at the very core of the company where everybody helps get it done. And then here's a tip as an owner, you can help them too. That's the key. I've had managers, I've had leaders in my company that I will give a a responsibility to. And then I'll turn around and I'll watch them just instantly delegate it to somebody else and stand and watch them get it done. I'm like, where the hell is that coming from? That is something that's never happened at Caesar Chimney from the top down. That's not a learned thing here. At Caesar Chimney, the owner, me, and my managers will be mixing mortar. We sweep floors. We clean toilets. We will wash vans. It doesn't matter what needs to be done. We're there to help as well. So don't let an organizational chart turn into this just, I can't even come up with an analogy for that. That's just stupidity to me. If you have a company where the owner is on some cloud over somewhere like cloud nine and everybody else is just down working, you're not going to have a teamwork culture-based company. You're just going to have a bunch of doers, just a bunch of grunts. And they feel that. We talked about that a couple episodes ago, talking about that helper term. If your employees just feel that they're there to help you get your job done, you're not going to get any buy-in. You're not going to breed any loyalty. If they have ownership, if they take part, if they have that sense of accomplishment, they will do more because they appreciate what they're doing. They have their own responsibilities. And then they get that sense of accomplishment when you come around and compliment them for doing it. In my company, it starts with the newest guys. If you're brand new first week at Caesar Chimney Service, your job is to sweep chimneys. That's our name. It's our title. We're going to sweep chimneys. That's the first thing we're going to teach you. So we have two-man crews on all of our jobs. You go out with a lead technician and an assistant technician. The assistant or the assistant technician goes in and actually sweeps the appliance, the fireplace, the wood stove, the boiler, whatever it is, while the lead technician goes and does the inspections and the estimates. But at the end of the job, the lead technician's responsibility is to go back in and make sure that the assistant technician has done a proper sweeping. That's key. Time and time again, we'll find out that they're not going back and they're not checking and the job isn't getting done right. And then we get a call back. Something was dirty. Something wasn't put together right. And I'm like, did you go check? Oh, I was busy. You didn't fulfill your responsibility. It's not the new guy's fault. He's brand new. You have to go behind him and make sure. But if they go back and they've done a really good job, same thing, praise the hell out of them. That is an awesome job. Great. That's amazing. Thank you. You start to breed that accomplishment and that sense of duty as soon as the company or as soon as the employee starts working for you. The same thing happens on bigger repairs. You go out to a huge repair, lots of moving parts, lots of tasks that need to be done. 
on the way to the job, the lead technician is supposed to outline the day. As soon as we get there, I need you to go set up all the tarps, get the vacuum out, bring it down inside, get this tool, get that tool, give them a plan of attack, give them something to do. Nothing worse than getting to a job and you got one or two technicians there and they just stand there and stare at you like, what do you want me to do? Give them that that sense of urgency. Hey, this is your job. I need you to get this done. I need you to you know, go do whatever it is so that I can go start something else, talk to the customer, get the ladder set up, whatever it is. But give them their own responsibilities at the very beginning and grow from that. Start building on that. Once they get really good at sweeping, they can get it done in a decent amount of time. Then you add to it. All right, you finish sweeping. Now go up on the roof and get these measurements or whatever. Start training them for the next step. Because what I've told everybody in my company, from the technicians to the leads to the managers to myself, is you are training your replacement. That is so key. To have a path in a company, you have to know what the next step is. They have to know where they can go. They're not just stuck in a dead-end job. So I tell everyone, make whoever's with you better than you. That's the only way this company can grow. I had to do the same thing as an owner is I need to turn around and turn some of my technicians into managers, people that could do parts of what I was doing. Now I have three. I have Jill, I have Max, and I have Rick. All three of them have a different part of my responsibilities as their duties. Jill, of course, is our office manager. She now oversees the office. We have three office assistants that work under her, and she's in charge of training the the new assistants, keeping up with them, checking their call logs, their records, answering questions. Uh, She also does our bookkeeping and our payroll and our accounting, so she has all of the office stuff under her umbrella. Max is in charge of our training. Any new guy that comes in, he's in charge of... The first week, the boot camp that we put them through, training them, getting them ready to go out into the field. Then he keeps up with them after they're in the field as far as checking on their progress. He also trains all the assistant technicians on just day-to-day duties and getting them up to speed so they can become leads. Rick is in charge of the leads. Rick is the one that answers questions about estimates and inspections and checks over their work, makes sure they got all the right pictures, make sure they ordered their right parts. He's also in charge of our inventory and our stock. So when I come in in the morning, I have three employees now that are doing all the work that I used to do. And now I have more time to be an owner. Conversely, to get them out of the field when Max and Rick were technicians, I told them the same thing. I said, the only way for you to become a manager is to turn the technicians that are with you into leads. Otherwise, you can never move up. And that's exactly what they did. Now we're doing the same thing. All the leads we have, I tell them. You need to be training the technicians that are with you to be better than you, because if they're not better than you, there's no one that can take your place and you can't move up in the company. That's how you create that path. But if you have a a leadership culture in your company of whoever's at the top just does all the work and everybody else just grumbles and complains, there's no path. No one's ever going to want to move up. And that's why I hear a lot of people say things like, oh, this generation doesn't want to work and these kids don't want to work and we can't get anybody that comes... That's all crap. I'm telling it a hundred percent. There's companies out there, myself included, that have hired tons of this younger generation and they are workers. They will kill themselves for you. I have guys that I'm like, why do you, what, why would you do this job? I ask him because it just blows my mind. I actually did the numbers a while ago. Uh, my average lead, I have six leads. The average age for my leads is 23 years old. I have kids that are just out of high school. I have guys that were working at McDonald's a couple of years ago. They're young kids. They're hungry. They, they enjoy the work that they're, they're doing. Of course, they enjoy the money too. 
but they have a path. They know that they're not going to get stuck in a van forever doing this crap work, <laughs> lifting ladders and liners and bricks. They're not going to do it forever. And their goal is to make the people underneath them better than them so they can move up and the company continues to grow. Same thing in the office. Jill was on the phones for four or five years, well, four of them at least by herself working from home. Now she's back into the office with us. And as we hire new office assistants, the office gets bigger. And now she has an office manager under her and she got to delegate some of her responsibilities so that she wasn't stuck doing all of the office work. Now she has someone helping her do it. Same thing with Max and Rick. They've been told to find somebody in the company that can take some of their work off of their plate. Spread the love around. If you've only got one or two people doing all the work in the company, it's just miserable. You're just going to be tired and cranky and stressed all the time. I was there. So the key is to delegate. Delegate is just a fun way of saying, let go. And God, as a business owner, if that's not the hardest thing to do, if you feel like you have to do everything and you have to all, you know, you have to answer the phones and you have to return all the emails and you have to do all of the estimates and you have to do all the ordering, you don't. I'm telling you right now, you don't. You can pass that off to somebody else. Have them do that work. It will grow them as a person. It will grow them as an employee. And it will grow your company. So I think that's all the rambling I want to do for today. Um, There's a lot of good stuff in there. These are things I wish I had learned early on. If I had learned how to delegate and how to let go and how to train and how to empower early in my company, my company would be way further along than it is right now. I didn't learn these things until maybe two, three years ago. And what a difference it made, not just in my life and in my sanity, but in the company itself. Um, next week, we're going to talk about a uh, a guy that came to my, my office for a training a couple months ago for a CSIA training. And during one of the breaks, he came up to me and he asked me a question. He said, I was in the airport on the way here and I was watching some of your videos online. And in one of the videos, you said that if you were to walk into Caesar Chimney Service, you wouldn't be able to tell who the leaders are. He goes, how do I get my company like that? I'm like, that's a really long answer that I don't have time for right now. But that's going to be the topic of next week's episode is we're going to talk about the culture of leadership and how do you grow into a place where everybody has ownership, everybody's ready to lead, everybody can lead, and the company can grow. So until next week, thank you for lending me your ears.